I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. Feel free at any point to go grab an activity bin for your kids, or if you're feeling like you need fresh air, go get it. That's no problem at all. Just a couple of announcements before we move back into the the worship part of this service. Um, One is that um, our friends at the Dream Center just asked me to put a plug in. So if any of you have or know of rooms that someone who has um, graduated from this program could rent, uh, whether it's a a small apartment or whether it's just a room in a home, could you let the Dream Center know? They'd be really appreciative of of unity and people that they trust offering um, help to to people who are going to take their next steps in their own walk with God and recovery. Um, So please feel free to reach out to the Dream Center and let them know, hey, I know of a place, or I have a room to rent, or we have a rental property that uh, someone would be welcome to to use. So yes, again, talk to them, please. On that note as well, on a similar note, the, the Dream Center this coming weekend, so this coming Saturday, is having a fundraiser, a walkathon, and we've sent out email links where you can sponsor the adult team or the kids team because we have two teams from Unity going. And so far, the adults have a little bit of sponsorship and our kids don't have any. Um, so could we sponsor our kids and in doing so, bless our Dream Center brothers and sisters, our friends who have offered us so much help, um, space. They've offered us a home. So let's, um, let's find some other ways to support them as well. And if you want to participate in that walkathon, you are also welcome to join those teams or sign up on your own as well. But let's bless our brothers and sisters. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we pause to remind ourselves of why we're here. You are God. I am not. You must increase. I must decrease. You are great, and I am small. You are holy, and I am in need of refining. You are wonderful and beautiful, and you deserve our full attention. You deserve all the worship we could ever give with all of our being for the rest of eternity. You deserve even more. You are so great and you deserve all of our loyalty and our obedience. You are so kind that if we pause to meditate on that, There are almost no words for it, Lord. That you yourself would give yourself for us. While we were still enemies, you died for your enemies. 
we pause before opening your incredible word and say, Lord, we need to be transformed by meeting you at the intersection of your work in this world and your holiness and your life and who you are and what your word says. Lord, transform us. Make us like Jesus. Lord, may it be true of us that the one we worship, we become like. Lord, in this place, in this time, we we invite you to have your way in hearts and in minds bodies. We invite you to have your way with our attention and our focus. We invite you to have your way with our idols. We invite you to make us like Jesus. We invite your spirit to come so that we don't end up discussing someone far away, but someone present. And that we don't simply talk in third person, he's here, but second person as well. You are here, Lord. You are here. So may we not behave and may we not talk about you like you're not in the room. May we not behave and may we not talk about you as though you are simply another person just like us. May we once again come with reverence and awe and wonder. May you renew in us the fear of the Lord that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Would you increase in us and fill us with your spirit that we may walk and keep in step with your spirit? Lord, as we come to your word, I pray that you would would plant your good word deep inside of us and that you would, that we would till up the soil and make it good soil for a good planting that it might yield a good harvest. Lord, have your way among us. Lord, we love you. It is out of both love and reverent worship that we come to your word. Have your way in this time. For your sake. Amen. I hope you brought a Bible. Um, I hope some of you have physical Bibles here. I, I don't poo poo screens, um, but it's going to be more helpful if you have a physical one today. 
Would you grab them and go to John? It's been a while since we've been in John. But let, so let me remind you of why we were in John. Okay? Uh, maybe a year or so ago, I had this dream in which someone handed me a book, and on the cover of the book was just the word John. And so I, I took this as instruction from the Lord to start focusing on, on John, not just the, the gospel of John, but the letters of John and Revelation as well, what, what's sometimes called the Johannine literature, right? And so I, I was doing this for myself. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I read Revelation. I can't tell you how many times I read the epistles and, and then going through the gospel as well. And then we had um, the guest speaker named Ravi come about a year ago, and someone around that time um, had a dream of Ravi coming. And after Ravi left, uh, he handed her a book, and on the cover of the book was the word John. And And when that dream was shared with me, I said, I had that same thing happen, and now I know unity is to be in the book of John in the next season. This wasn't some bright idea Ben had. This was something that God was communicating to his people. And so we have come with that conviction as we have journeyed through John. And we made our way over weeks and months through those opening sections up until the end of chapter 12. And as I was preparing for that, and as I moved through that time of preaching through John, God continued to say, highlight two basic things. One is Jesus' relationship with both the Father and the Spirit. That that Jesus was a man anointed, Jesus is God as well, so I always insert that caveat so that the heresy hunters are pleased. That was a joke. Please don't be a heresy hunter. Jesus is God, but that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus is also fully man. And and so... um, we, we focus on the fact that Jesus as a man was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, Acts 10.38 says. In other words, the, the work that Jesus did comes out of relationship to God through the Holy Spirit. And then that flows into Jesus' ministry model. And that was the second thing that God really said, focus on this. That, that what Jesus does is divest himself of the rights, divest, uh, empties himself. That's the easier biblical word. Philippians 2 says that Jesus emptied himself of all of the rights that came with being God. He didn't stop being God. He stopped accessing the rights that he had to do what needed to be done. In his own ministry, he operated through the power of the Spirit, not through the own rights that he had as second person of the Trinity. He did what he did as he parted this, or as he fed people beside the sea, as he told the, the storm to be silent, etc., etc., etc. He did that not with his second person of the Trinity power, but emptying himself of that, he operated through the power of the Spirit. In other words, what he did is model for us what we can do and should do as we are we not being part of the Trinity will, like Jesus, operate entirely under the power of the Spirit. Okay? And we focused on that again and again and again. And it comes right out of Philippians 2. He emptied himself and did not take advantage of that which was his to take advantage of, Philippians 2. And he operated in the power of the Spirit, Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And as a result of the Spirit 
being on him, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, not for he was God operating in his own power. Right? That's what Acts 10.38 says and means. Right? And we really focused on that over and over and over again as we moved our way through John chapters 1 to 12. And the scene shifts. There's a big shift in John. And so for a period of time through the summer, what we did is focus on some of the things that God was doing here as we were leaving our building, as we were, as we were entering into this, this strange new dynamic that he has been leading us through. And then he'd been focusing on what some of the things that he was really emphasizing here now as we moved here, that God had put us here, that it's important to focus on his presence and so on. So we moved through some of those times and focuses. And then what God did is say, okay, now you're back to John. And we're returning to the next section of John for the next leg of our journey. And the next section of John has a different focus. We're not, we're not so much going to be returning to that one, though it will come up. Would you go to that next section of John? Just like we had a focus that came over and over and over again out of those chapters, there's a different one in these ones. These chapters, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is one of people's favorite passages in Scripture, right? This, this section of, of, of chapters is, is, an, is sort of like the Sermon on the Mount. Like, it's just Jesus talking and talking and talking. And it's some of your favorite stuff in the New Testament comes out of these chapters. Flip through them with me, would you? This is where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. This astonishing thing that God himself wipes garbage off smelly people. taking the the very lowest possible position in society. The God of the universe does that. There's foot washing here. This is the passage in scripture where Jesus says that every powerful thing you saw me do, you're going to do that and more, chapter 14. This is the passage of scripture Look through it if you've got your physical copy here. This is the passage of Scripture where Jesus is going to say three different times to his his disciples, it's better that I leave because I'm going to give you the helper. And he's talking about the Spirit. And he spends a fair amount of time actually reminding the the disciples, you're going to get me and more. It's crucial. This, this is the passage of scripture that everyone goes to because they, they want more of God. And he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, beginning in chapter 15. That there is an intimate connection between the two of us. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Incredible passage of scripture. This is a passage of, this, in this section, Jesus multiple times emphasizes not only his oneness with God, but his disciples' oneness with himself. That there there is this link being formed between God and his people that is going to provide nourishment and power and life, and God invites us into the very life that he has. This is the passage of Scripture, if you flip to chapter 17, where Jesus spends a significant amount of time praying for his disciples, and he includes us 
in that prayer. It's, it's, called, it's often called Jesus' high priestly prayer, where Jesus spends time, and you can read this and go, he is praying for me. Jesus is praying for me. It's an incredible amount of scripture that we're, we're looking at here. Like, it's an incredible amount. It's an incredible, like, it's just so full of, of density and richness for ourselves and our lives with God. I mean, this is the passage of scripture where Jesus will say numerous times, I'm giving you a new command, love one another as we need to be reminded. He says numerous times in this section of scripture, if you ask in my name, you'll have it. Something we so badly need to grasp. But there's something bigger. There's an overarching context that frames everything within what I have just mentioned for you. And that's what we need to recognize the context in which Jesus is speaking, in which everything that he is saying finds its ultimate meaning, is a context of his disciples entering into increasing trouble. Do you see how meaningful this will be for your life and mine? Do you face any trouble at all? We're we're gonna look at this in some detail. Grab your Bibles. Look at chapter 13, verse 21. Jesus Jesus will say, or actually the scripture will say of Jesus, he became troubled in spirit. Hold on. The God of the universe, anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, in the middle of a conversation, at the start of a conversation with his disciples, becomes deeply troubled to the point that scripture actually says, this Jesus is troubled by what's going on and what's coming. Because it's also a context of betrayal. We're we're right in the heart of the betrayal. One of his closest followers is about to sell him out It's a context of incredible trouble. And it's betrayal in chapter 13, and it's betrayal in chapter 18. And that is going to frame everything else that Jesus says. Jesus himself is heading into trouble, and his disciples are going to get the exact same trouble Jesus is, and more. That is what is shaping the very things that Jesus is going to talk about in these sections. It's a context of denial, where Jesus will say in... um, chapter 13, Peter, you're about to deny me. And then in chapter 18, it's actually going to happen. It's a context of denial. It's a context of the enemy's activity. And it's mentioned numerous times. I'm only going to say, read one of them. Look at chapter 17, verse 15. Jesus is praying. He's talking to the Father and he's saying, Lord, I'm asking you not to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. It's a context in which the evil one is ramping up activity among God's people as well as in the world. And Jesus is saying, Lord, keep them. Lord, protect them. There's trouble coming. 
It's a context of the disciples' grief and trouble. Chapter 16, look at verse 12. Jesus is about halfway through saying what he wants to say to his disciples, and he says, you guys can't actually even handle anything more than what I have already told you, so I'm going to hold off on telling you more about the amount of trouble you're about to face. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot even bear them at this present time. Chapter 16, verse 12. Look at verse 33 of the same chapter. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take courage, take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is speaking to people who are about to head into a whole lot more. What about your context? Just to pause here. Are you facing trouble? Are you seeing the way the world is going? Well, speaking of, one of the biggest sections of these verses, of these chapters, involves Jesus talking about the trouble that his followers are about to face in the world. Hatred and persecution. And he takes a long time to talk about that. So go with me, chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it has hated you. You, my followers, Jesus says, are about to be hated by the world. Look at verse verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me and they're about to kill him, they will persecute you as well. This is coming. Look at verse 24. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now that they have both seen, but now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. The disciples were, and how much more we, living in a world in which To follow Jesus means the world will hate you. Look at 16 verse 2. Just a couple more verses down. They will ban you from the synagogue. That's not, you will have to find a different church. Okay, we hear it that way. The synagogue was the very center of their lives. They would have had, if they were banned from the synagogue, they would have had to leave the very region because they would no longer have been able to earn money or operate within society. They were, they were not just canceled as in we're no, we no longer like you. It's like, no, we will no longer do business with you. You will have to beg for bread among people who hate you. They will cancel, they they will cast you out of the synagogue, he says. That's what that means. Yet, that's not enough. There is an hour coming in which everyone who kills you will think that he is offering a service to God. Jesus is saying that the world will see the way that I am working in you and will hate you so much they will actually kill you thinking that it is for the greater good and or thinking that they're doing it to bless me, 
bless the Father. That's the world that Jesus is sending his disciples into. And it's not just that he's talking about the events in the next few hours as Jesus is betrayed. There's not time for them to be kicked out of the synagogue. Jesus is looking ahead to the way his followers will be treated in the world, and that is part of our inheritance. It is not just for then. This section is very much about for now. The overall and overarching theme of this chapter, which makes the rest of what Jesus says in it comprehensible in its fullest sense, is that there's trouble ahead for his people. And he wants them to be prepared, not simply by knowing what the trouble is, but by responding to it differently. What about our world right now? Do you see any trouble? I'm not talking about earthquakes, guys. Do you see any trouble with the ongoing and increasing conflict between the world and what Christians believe? Are we seeing this or are we the frog in the pot? You know the metaphor, the frog in the pot, right? the temperature goes up, the frog doesn't notice until it's boiled, right? You know, they're about to pass legislation. They're talking about this legislation. They put it off for a year. It's coming up in March, where now medical assistance in dying, as in what used to be called assisted suicide. Now, we have a fancier, more palatable term for it to disguise what's actually happening. Um, you, You realize that they're, they're trying to pass legislation that will allow people who, not, who aren't even dying to access physician-assisted suicide if they have mental health challenges. Like, that'll be the no, new low minimum. Do you, do you see the world that we're in? What would happen if you or I... Um, how would the world react to a biblical response to that? How would the world react? I I think it would react something like what Jesus is saying here about, they will kick you out of the synagogue. Another example. Have you noticed that there's been a shift in our culture from we were supposed to tolerate to now we're supposed to celebrate? Have you noticed that distinction? Tolerate means we can disagree and have a harmonious relationship and have honest dialogue. Celebrate means there's no dialogue going to happen. I'm going to impose my morality on you. And if you don't, you have become a hater. you realize that's like tyranny, right? That, that's oppression. It, that's coercion. 
but that's happening. And do you realize that part of what's happening is that, that that's even more corrupt is that it is, it's done in the name of love. So we have a deception happening where something that isn't loving is being called love. happening with justice as well. Things that used to be rooted in God's character and in his revelation have been disconnected from God's character and revelation, but we're going to take the ideas, the culture says, and we're going to run with them to do what we want. Um, maybe just a warning on this front. More and more churches and Christians are going down that route of saying, but Jesus told us to love. Friends, you cannot separate love and truth. God is love, right? What does Jesus say? I am the way and the Thank you. I'm the way and the truth. So God is both love and truth. You don't get to pick. And if you emphasize one without the other, you have divorced yourself from God. So if you go down the route of saying, but we just have to love, and love according to our culture means that we celebrate, what you do is end up celebrating and blessing something God has not blessed. And in doing so, what you do is put a a barrier between people and God, because if God hasn't blessed it, but you do, you've reinforced a barrier between them and God is putting a barrier between someone and God loving. No, but that's what's happening in our culture. And if we, (laughs) what if you said that out there? How fast would you get canceled? How fast could that actually be labeled hate speech? How fast could that actually become legal? legal action potentially being taken against you. They will ban you from the synagogue isn't something for some far distant future. Welcome to our reality, my friends. This, do you see how relevant this is? This is today. This might get me canceled, but we'll see. Read this book? Yeah, I know a number of you have. A few million people have, actually. Um, For those of you who haven't, this is Eric Metaxas' biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I was listening to an interview with Eric Metaxas, a deeply Christian man. Um, Metaxas has a number of different shows, programs for just engaging Christians and engaging the the wider public and so on. And a while back, 
he had Naomi Wolf on, and Naomi Wolf was digging into Pfizer documents and um, coming against vaccine mandates, and he had her on to have a dialogue, and what happened was YouTube pulled not just that episode, but Eric Metaxas's entire show from YouTube. That's an incredible level of censorship. Censorship is is power exerted in the um, the, for the sake of an agenda. That's cancel culture on steroids. It's happening. They will hate you and kill you in the service of some greater good in their eyes. So what's needed for these times? What do we do? I painted a pretty bleak picture on purpose for two reasons. One, that we, we do need to recognize the world that we are in. And if we've been a little bit of a frog in the pot, let's be aware of what we're actually in. But even more than that, that, that wouldn't be a win for me by itself. What's needed for trouble is everything Jesus says in this next section of John. Jesus looking ahead to trouble washes feet. And that might not compute with you or me as an answer to the fact that the world is about to cancel some disciples and more, but it is. It's Jesus's answer. Jesus is going to look ahead and say, there's trouble coming and you are going to need the power of the Holy Spirit like never before and you will get it to such a degree that you will do greater things than me. And that will be the answer to the world and to the trouble. Jesus looks ahead to the troubles we have just described and talks about abiding with the Father so that you and I know as intimately as humanly possible the connection we have between ourselves and the God who loves us. Jesus' answer to the trouble is, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Stay connected. Stay connected as you look at what's happening and there is a culture that is, a, is, is deeply anti-Christian. You will need more than ever the power of the Spirit and to, to embrace and embody and live out a, a relationship with God that has power and friendship and intimacy. This is a section that Jesus will say, I no longer call you just servants, I call you friends. He invites you into levels of friendship with him that we can only dream of exploring that, but we will. And it is absolutely needed 
for what is here and what is coming. That Jesus' answer to the trouble is love one another. It's those themes that come out in these verses and some of the most fantastic passages of Scripture are in this section, and it is Jesus' answer to what is here and what is coming. Will we embrace that? This is a call, not simply to recognize what's going on, but to say, Lord, prepare us. Prepare us by being people who will wash feet. Prepare us by being people who will enter into and operate with the power of the Holy Spirit that the world won't be able to argue with. Give us such love for one another that people will be astonished and stop short as people hate and we return with love. There's a, there's a call in this next section of Scripture and in our next leg of the journey to go way deeper with God. It is a call back to Him. It's not to have an answer for every single thing that's going to come our way until we know that He is the answer. It's, it is a call back to Him. Come to this section and discover the Jesus who is prepared to and does meet that world and prepares his disciples with the exact same thing, this is what's needed next. It doesn't always make sense, but look at what Jesus did. Okay? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world comes out of this section of scripture. And it's ours. It's ours. Come back to him because he has overcome. Let's pray. Lord, I don't want a better rebuttal for those who don't like who you are and what you say. I want a person I want to exude you so that you leak from my pores. I I want to become a person who has peace. My peace I give unto you, you say in these scriptures. I want peace in the middle of trouble. Lord, I want abiding in the middle of trouble, where you invite us into such a mysterious, intimate friendship, loving relationship, that it it is out of love for you and then love for the way you love the world that, that I and we would meet the world. Lord, I I pray that you would do such a fantastic and incredible life-changing work in us as you fill us with your spirit and anoint us for your ministry, that what Jesus says here in, in chapter 17, that this would be so that the world would know, would actually be true of me, would be true of Unity Baptist, that people would come to Jesus having seen Jesus in us in a world full of trouble. 
Lord, would you give us a bigger vision than the trouble? Would you give us a vision of who you are? so that we keep in step with your spirit in the same way that Jesus did. Lord, would you renew our minds so that we have hope for your, the way that you redeem people and redeem the world as we follow you in your ministry in it. May we truly, truly be people, like Jesus says, who take heart because you have overcome. So Lord, would you take us into foot washing? Would you take us into ministry through your spirit? Would you take us into abiding? Would you take us into recognizing the world for what it is, and then be light the way that you are light. Lord, may truth and love not be divorced among your people. Lord, would you give us a confidence in your work in the world, that you will keep us from the evil one and that the world would see you in the process. Lord, I I pray your blessings over this time as we enter into these scriptures. May they enter deeply, deeply into us so that your way and your truth and your life come out. Lord, we come here worshiping you because we love you. Would you take us deeper into that, Lord? For the sake of your good name, for the sake of your plans, for the sake of your kingdom, have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here, friends. Appreciate your help with putting the chairs away back there and refreshing the bathrooms. Uh, Take some time to continue to meet with one another. If anyone would like prayer, more than happy to pray with you or invite others to come pray as well. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you the peace Jesus promises in this passage. Peace that overcomes the world. Go in peace, my friends. Blessings on you. Thanks for being here.